always knew that if I did start running again, he was going to be in my corner and he was going to be like my grounding, you know, person to say like, this isn't your full-time job. This, you're not a professional athlete. You just run for fun. So I always knew like he was just like always on my, in my corner. Um, and I wrote down in my journal and I said, if I'm going to be a runner again, I will never, ever, ever make myself throw up again. And, um, you know, six years later, I've still maintained that. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 21 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. I'm super excited to share Beth Marzigliano's amazing story. Beth rocked a huge PR running a 245 in the Boston Virtual Marathon, placing first woman overall. Amazing stuff, Beth. Congrats to you. And I'm going to save her race day experience, her course setup, and all of it to to come from her and her words so you can feel the chills that I got as she told me about her race day experience, which was really something special. Also note to Ben A for the listeners, this podcast includes a discussion about eating disorders that might be upsetting to some of you. Beth's running journey has seen some remarkable highs and lows, and I'm so grateful for her for being so open about it and sharing all of it with us. At Red Bank High School, she was part of a DMR team that won Penn Relays and set the national record at the Adidas Outdoor National Championships in the DMR. After missing most of her indoor season as a senior with a stress fracture, she was freaking out before her state meet that she was too fat and ended up making herself throw up her dinner the night before the state meet. The next day, after being injured all season, she shocked herself, winning the 800 meters and ran a PR of 219, the only race she ever won on a track. This race got her noticed by colleges and helped her get a scholarship to run for LaSalle University. From there, Beth's running started to become an unhealthy obsession. She began feeling that to run fast, she had to be skinny and developed an eating disorder. Measuring body parts, doing tons of sit-ups, not eating enough, and making herself throw up before races. Bulimia put a strain on her relationships with friends, family, and teammates, and left her feeling exhausted, depressed, and completely burned out, and she even thought she may never run again. Fast forward five years, and Beth wanted to lose a few pounds before her upcoming wedding. She started a Couch to 5K program and made three major commitments this time around and put it in writing in her journal. A, she would never make herself throw up again, period. B, she would make sure she gets her period every month. It's so important to being healthy as a mom. C, she was going to keep running fun. And six years later, Beth has completely reframed her relationship with food, running, and is absolutely having fun, in addition to crushing crazy fast times out there, which is super awesome. Her husband and family have helped every step of the journey, and she is now a mom of two young boys who are out there cheering her on on the course. For anyone who struggled with an eating disorder, I hope you'll take a listen and be inspired by Beth's remarkable running life journey, and it's just getting started. I'm so proud of Beth for sharing her prior struggles so candidly on such an important health issue. So let's follow along and dive on in and take a listen.
Hey, good morning, Beth. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you? Good. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, we got the morning start here. This is not my normal thing. I'm usually the evening guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, my dog's usually trying to rouse me to get up and take her out for a walk. But uh, we got the early we got the early shift going on today, which is good. Yeah, I'm usually up uh, pretty early anyway with the, the boys. So it's like I get everything done in the morning. It's the boy life. Leo yep. and Cody, how old are they? Uh, Leo is going to be two and a half next month and Cody just turned 10 months. Yeah. So that's, that's keeping mom busy along with her running. So for everybody at home, uh, before, even before we do our little intro, uh, with Beth, we're just going to let everybody know last week we had Megan on who was second in the Boston virtual marathon. And this week we have Beth on who was first. I mean, I don't know where I could possibly go from here. So this is a pretty cool two week back to back, uh, segment here. So congrats on an amazing, amazing run. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm still kind of in shock. I, you know, I, I didn't expect to run as well as I did, but uh, I'm very happy with the outcome. So yeah, you know. <laughs> running, running 245, um, running around your neighborhood, having your family and friends out there cheering for you is a pretty amazing experience, man. So we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to table that and save that for the end so we could finish the episode on the highest possible note, um, which will be super cool for everybody uh, listening at home or on the run or wherever they are uh, downloading our podcast from. So why don't you just do a little intro for us? Tell us about where you grow up, everything like that um, for the Run Chats audience. Okay, sure. Um, so I was born uh, and raised in New Jersey. Um, I lived in Connecticut for a little bit, but uh, moved back when I was in first grade. So I basically lived up, lived in New Jersey. Um, I have two parents, uh, Gail and Dennis, um, and we've you know been living in the same house in Bradley Beach, New Jersey, um, all my life. Um, I have an older brother who is uh, in the Navy. Um, and then two younger sisters. Um, one is Catherine. She lives in Austin, Texas. And then my younger, youngest sister is Meg. She's a nurse um, at one of the local hospitals near here. Um, we're all pretty close. Uh, we don't see each other as often as we used to because we're all in different places of the country. But, um, you know, we get together. It's, you know, pretty chaotic. So um, and then, yeah, I mean, pretty much for getting into just like sports and everything it was always just because my brother was um big into baseball and, um, watching him play and always growing up watching the Yankees. Um, I kind of felt like I was part of, I always wanted to be part of sports and do something active. Um, and that's kind of where that started. Um, and you want to know about running, I guess, uh, with well, running, that's, that's I, a, let's, let's pause there for one sec. Cause we'll, uh, Jersey strong, of course. So yes. you tried CT for a little while, but you got it together and came back home. So we, you know, we got the Jersey pride thing going and, uh, and of course Yankees, I mean, thank goodness. I mean, that could have been a problem for us right off the bat. I mean, you know, who knows, you could have been a Red Sox fan or a Met fan or something else. And I don't worry about pissing off half my audience, but you know, we got the <laughs> pinstripes, you know, absolutely. I took my son to the last game in Yankee Stadium and the first game in Yankee Stadium. So we saw Jeter's speech, you know, with the horses patrolling the field and, you know, talking to us all as they closed out the old stadium. And then we got to go to the first game at the new stadium. So, yeah, the Yankee pinstripe tradition runs strong in our family. And we're thankful that was my mom who uh, who pulled us all in. She was a big fan of Mickey Mantle. Number seven was was her guy. Nice. So good stuff. Super, super good stuff. And Jersey. And yeah, let's let's talk about 
you know, growing up as a kid, you know, I know you said you were super active and all. Talk a little bit about how you got involved with sports and, you know, how you found your way into running. Um, yes. Yeah, so living at the Jersey Shore, um, every summer they had um, junior lifeguard um, down at the shore. And, you know, being by the ocean, I really, my parents wanted us to all get comfortable with the ocean. So we would do that. Um, I think it was like three days a week during the summer. And they would always, you know, force you to go swim out at the end of the jetty and come back. But my favorite thing was when they were like, okay, now go run to the end of Bradley Beach and back, which was always like a two mile run. I was like, all right, cool, let's go do this, you know? And I, I would stay up with the boys and like we would come back together. And like, I was just like, all right, that was awesome. It was fun. It was a run. Like, let's do that again. Um, and then they were forced to go back in the water. And I was like, I don't want to do this. I, let's just go run. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so I think that's when I kind of started realizing like I'm good at running. Um, and so every at the end of the summer, they would always do like a national event um, around the country. So the first year was in San Diego. So a group of kids from Monmouth County, we went out to San Diego and um, I was second at the nationals for the two mile beach run for like my age group and everything. And, um, you know, and then that, that was like, again, like a kind of spark. Like, oh, I'm actually like, I like running. Like this is easy, um, especially running on the beach, you know, where everyone's like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Why would you want to run on sand? I was like, it's great. What are you talking about? Um, and then, um, I guess with that, um, my mom also was always a runner or a jogger. I would say, um, she would, she wouldn't, she wouldn't call herself a runner now. She was like, I was just like a casual jogger. Um, and she would, she would get up and go out for her run. You know, when I'd wake up in the morning, um, in the summer, I remember her just, you know, coming back and stretching on the floor, doing abs. And, um, it was always kind of just like, Hey, like she's going out and doing this. And she would always sign up for the five Ks, um, the local five Ks. And, you know, just watching a race and stuff like that was just really cool for me, um, just seeing her do that. Um, and I saw, like, you know, how, like, in shape she got and just um, and just how much, like, joy brought her. Um, and then a part of that, too, she and my dad would um, volunteer at the local kids' races. Um, and so then as I grew up, I would help volunteer at the kids' races. And, you know, just being around other runners and watching, you know, these events be put on and how much work goes into it and just seeing the runners the next day do their 5Ks. I was like, wow, I mean, like, this is cool. Like, I want to, I loved handing out the water to the runners and just like, you know, cheering for people. Um, and so finally, I think when I was old enough to, you know, run, uh, my brother and I ran the kids race and it was an 800 meter run. Uh, and I was just probably one of the worst races of my life because I went out way too fast trying to chase all the boys. And then, you know, at the 400 meter turnaround, I was just like, wow, this is hard. And why did I go out so fast? And of course, just like come stumbling into the finish line, like dying, um, trying to catch my breath. Um, but uh, there was a good picture of my brother and I like high five and we used to have it hanging up at my parents' house. of so just like after the race, just being so happy that it's over. But um, I think that always is one of my favorite memories of, of getting into running because it was just like, wow, I didn't think I could do it, but I didn't. And um, so, yeah, so um and then with sports I mean I played uh, softball um in grade school um and then cheerleading um and then high school was Ringley where I actually got into running um for for me um I didn't think of going to start running uh it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school where I decided um I wanted to join the track team one of the things that made it difficult was I went to Red Bank Regional High School, which is about a half hour away from where I grew up. Um, and so I would be taking the 6.30 a.m. bus to school to start school at 7.30. And then every day, if I wanted to join the team, 
um, after practice, I wasn't getting home to about 6.30 at night because the latest bus I'd have to take was at 6 p.m. And so, you know, doing sports for where I lived was difficult because it was just a long, long day. And I didn't turn uh, 17 until my senior year of high school. So I, I didn't get my license until, you know, late. Like everyone was driving to school and I was just like, I, I can't drive and, and everything like that. So I was taking the bus most of my uh, high school career. Um, so that was kind of why I hesitated uh, joining right off the bat. Um, but yeah, I did softball my freshman year and basically the coaches were like, you know, you're good at softball, but not really like you and you're really fast. So maybe you should just join the track team. And then that was kind of like the, uh, the kick that said, okay, I'll do it next year. And I did. Um, and you know, I didn't take it. I don't want to say I didn't take it seriously, but I was just so, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, all right, run around the circle and run fast, you know, try to catch as many people. And I did. And, um, I had some, some success with doing that. Um, and I ran, I ran my outdoor track season sophomore year. And, um, you know, I, my coaches saw that I had some potential, um, but you know, nothing, no one ever came up to me and tried to like motivate me more. It was more just like, all right, you go do what you got to do. Um, and then it was my junior year where it was like, okay, you're good let's focus and let's like pick a thing that you're good at. And so I was like, I like the 400 meter. I mean, one time around the track seems long enough for me. Um, you know, I don't want to do the mile. That seems too long. Let's do the 400. So I really focused on that. And you already had your 800 experience with your brother where you, where you went out too hard and decided maybe, maybe the 400 is for me. I'll just do one lap really hard and I could just go balls to the wall. That's it. Exactly. And that's, and that's my whole mentality. I was like, I can do that. Um, and, uh, so yeah, so then once they realized that like, I had some good speed, I think my best time was I, I broke the 60 minute, the 60 second barrier, you know, I, I think it was like 59, nine, I finally ran. So I was like, all right, um, we realized that with the Trotter twins, um, cause I ran at Red Bank regional, they were seniors when I was a junior. Um, and then this other runner, Christina Nelson, um, she was a freshman when I was a junior. Uh, we were all, you know, really good, and we realized that we had a decent shot at the distance medley relay. And so my coach at the time said, our goal for spring trap is to win the pen relays. Because um, the year before, um, they sent a team there, and um, they got out kicked at the end, I believe. Um, so uh, they, he was like, we're going back. We're winning it this year. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. You know, I had no idea what pen relays was to be honest. I was like, all right, well, it's in racing Philly. Um, and then of course showing up the day of, you're like, Oh, this is legit. I, I don't think I've ever been more nervous standing in the like paddock area waiting for that race to go and seeing all the college runners, seeing the professionals, seeing just the stands. It was like, what are we doing? Like, uh, talk about being a little fish in like the big state. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, so that experience alone was one of the craziest like races of my life. Um, and just, I just remember getting the baton from Amanda. Um, and she was, she came in through the 1200 in first and I just remember getting it and just being like, run as fast you can, run as fast you can. Like, just, just, just don't think about it, run. And like, it just, yeah. And then, you know, watching, um, passing it off to Christina and then Christina passing off to Katie and then watching Katie just run, uh, you know, her, her mile and then just getting first, it was just like, holy crap. And I don't think I really realized until afterwards, just how big of a deal the winning pen relays was like, you know, so, um, that was always a fun experience for sure. 
Um, and then my coach, uh, he was just like, all right, so we're obviously going to go to Adidas outdoor national championships and, uh, let's, let's go for the national record, you know, let's really show what we can do. Um, and yeah, we went out there, uh, I guess it was probably June or May sometime. And yeah, again, we uh, went out and we ended up setting the national record that year for the distance medley relay. Um, and I was, you know, still just a 400 meter runner. Uh, never thought I would do anything longer than that. And, um, just, I remember walking away from that race, um, being disappointed because I didn't break, um, you know, this 60 second mark, which I wanted to do, but, um, it was still just an amazing, uh, time. Um, and that was like, you know, the Trotters last race and it was just, you know, their, their perfect send off when they went off to Stanford. And, um, it was just a really fun time. Um, because one of like leading up to that race, that's, I guess like my coach really started to like, just show us just like how, just like, you know, with the hard work we're putting into it and the why we're doing certain drills, why we're focusing on core, why we're focused on stretching. And that's when like all like the fundamentals of running started to like be taught to me. Um, and it all kind of started to make sense more. So why, you know, it's not just you put on shoes and you go run out the door. It's to get better. You got to like do all these like little things to lead up to it. And so I think that race was like my first time really, um, kind of building myself as a runner and building that foundation that, um, I've, you know, carried on. Um, so then my senior year of high school, finally, uh, they convinced me, Hey, you should probably run cross country. If you want to run in college, you probably, you know, want to do cross country because you're not fast enough really to like be like a focused sprinter in college. Like you could probably be better at like the distance stuff. So I did cross country. It was fun. I didn't run at all throughout the summer because I didn't know like training throughout the summer was like, important. I just thought, Hey, I can go run a 5k and <laughs> call it a day. So um, I did just, you know, run this kind of like whatever. I was like, I'm just gonna go run a 5k. I could do this. Um, and so I didn't really, I never made it to our like championship race or anything. Um, but it was a cool experience. I will say that. Um, and then, uh, you know, it was my senior or senior year of high school. I started the indoor season and, you know, my coach sat me down and said, listen, like, this is the time when, um, colleges are going to be looking at you and you need to make an impression and, you know, show them what you got. So, um, I started my indoor season and got a stretch fracture in my foot. Um, and you know, I, instead of just like sitting on the sidelines, he was like, go find a pool, go do pool runs. And he just would give me, you know, like 30 minute pool runs, 60 minute pool runs. And I did that. I just did that for, I think it was like three weeks solid. Um, and he, uh, you know, missed all the county races, missed all the dual meets, you know, and kind of sat on the sidelines. And as he watched my other seniors, um, you know, they were getting recruited, they were, you know, going to college recruitments. And I was just sitting back like, what am I doing? Like, I'm missing out on everything, like, never to go to college, and I was freaking myself out. And um, the night before my state meet, um, you know, I was just definitely mentally in my head. And I remember my parents um, getting Chinese food. And I just, you know, ate a ton of Chinese food. And went upstairs and I was like, I have to run, I have to like do really, really well tomorrow, or I'm definitely just never going to be picked up by a college. And I think this is where the turning point happened. And I made myself throw up that night for the first time, because I was like, I need to be light on my feet tomorrow. I need to be ready to go. I made myself throw up. I go to the race the next day. No one's expecting anything out of me. I was just like, I have to do something like crazy. And I was in the 800 meter race and 
the gun went off and I immediately just like fell to the back and I was just like running behind everyone, running behind everyone. And then all of a sudden, you know, on the, like, the third lap, I was like, wait, like I'm actually like still in this race. And I just started catching people, catching people, catching people. And then also we're going to the bell lap and I'm in like third place. And I was like, okay, let's just run. And then I remember I just like ended up out kicking the girl at the, like the final straightaway and like winning the race. And I was like, holy crap, I just won the state meet. And I was been, I've been injured for the last three weeks, four weeks. Like, how did I do this? And all of a sudden, like, you know, after that race, I was just standing there and like the, the recruiting coach of LaSalle university came up to me and was like, Hey, great race. And he's like, I know you're actually planning on coming here tomorrow. So, um, you know, let's talk. And we went there and I sat the next day, I went there with my mom, we sat down with the head coach and he was just like, great race yesterday. And like, before I knew it, I had colleges like trying to get me and I was like, wow, awesome. Um, and yeah, that race, because I think I, you know, got in my head, like, Hey, I like threw up. I was fast. I won. This is how I get better. And that was really the beginning of like my like obsession with running where I looked at myself in the mirror and instead of seeing like a strong person, I saw like, I have to be skinny. Like I have to be as tiny as possible to be faster. And when I got to college, you know, I, I went from being one of the best runners on my team to then all of a sudden just being a team, like a, a, being with 15 other girls who were just as good or if not better than me. And I saw myself like comparing constantly to them, like, oh, there are her arms skinnier, her legs are skinnier than mine. She has better abs than me. I would start obsessing. I mean, to the point where I was like measuring my thighs every single day just to see how skinny or how fat they were. Um, I would go into my room after practice every day. I would do like over a hundred crunches, you know, or abs. Um, and if I didn't do it that day, I would freak out. Like I would have to triple the next day to like make up for it. Um, easy runs where, you know, supposed to just be recovery. We were like, we were just pounding the runs. We were going like sub seven minute pace to like sub seven minute pace. And it just wasn't what I was supposed to be doing and workout time. I would just try to race them. I was like, I wanted to race and just be the best. Um, so then when it came time for racing, I mean, talk about like, I wasn't even eating. Like I wasn't even eating beforehand. I would like, well, I would eat. And then I would just make myself throw up. And it was just became this constant negative cycle. And, um, and I think back to that race in high school. And I think that's where it all really, really started. Like I just, it got into my mind that um, throwing up will make me faster. And I quickly realized in college, yeah, that's not the case, but for some reason I just could not get myself out of it. And it got really scary for a while. And the worst part was when sophomore year, um, the summer beforehand, I had trained my butt off for the cross country season. Like I was hands down, like my, the best shape of my life. And like, I knew going into it, like I was like really in good shape. Um, and I remember starting the season and things were going great until all of a sudden they weren't. And I realized I can't keep up with these girls anymore. Um, why am I so exhausted? Um, I literally remember one time getting ready to go to one of my classes and had no energy to get out of bed. And I remember sitting there, laying there and thinking to myself, why can't I get out of bed? And this, this feeling of always being tired and exhausted continued. Um, and then weird things started happening where my knees would start swelling up for no reason. And then I would all of a sudden like get the like horrible tinnitus in my ears and random like sharp shooting pains. Like I felt like I was getting like electrocuted all over my body. And then, then the craziness of the brain fog and everything. 
So then it was like, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Um, and then I realized I started going to the doctors. I kept thinking it's Lyme disease because I kept looking it up and I, it, like I had all the classic symptoms, but no diagnosis was like coming back as yes, you have Lyme disease. Um, and in that meantime, I mean, I was, I like, was barely able to run with my teammates anymore. I was just so tired all the time. Um, so because I was tired, I started eating way too much because I thought, okay, I'm not eating enough. So let me eat more. And then I ended up gaining a ton of weight. And, and by a ton of weight, I mean, like I was, I think at the time, probably like 115 and like, I went up to 125, but for that time frame, it looked like I'd gained weight. And to the point where my coach pulled me into his office and was like, you need to lose weight. Like you're, you gain too much, stop drinking. Like he like accused me of drinking on the weekends and partying. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Like I'm literally just trying to like get my energy back. Um, so I ended up going about six and a half months before I went to like a specialist and I was finally diagnosed with Lyme disease. Um, and that's where like, finally it was just like, oh, like I have answers, let's get better. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up redshirting all of my sophomore year pretty much. Um, I think I ran like one race, like the end of um, the, the track season, outdoor track season. Um, but at that time I was just like, I, you know, I need to reset myself over the summer. Um, and then that junior year, I went into um, college again, and ready to go. I trained really hard over the summer. I was feeling better, but there were still days where um, I felt like crap. But for the most part, I was um, feeling my the best I felt in a while. Um, and junior year, um, I went into it. I was doing great, doing great. But then the pressure, I started putting the pressure back on myself saying, I have to hit certain times. I have to be, you know, I have to be here. I have to be here. And the bulimia came back. Um, I definitely just continued then to, um, you know, eat, eat right before the race. And then when no one, I thought no one was listening or, you know, watching, I make myself throw up and just never hit the potential I could have in college. And I look back at my college running and it's just like, I just put it away. I like, I locked it in a corner. I try not to think about it because it was a dark time of my life. Um, I was extremely depressed. I was, you know, I would put a smile on my face to all my friends and my teammates, but on the inside I was, I was hurting and, um, you know, and I lost a lot of friends because of how I was like treating them. Um, and during that time, because I just was always so, tense and so um so mad that like I just wasn't doing what I wanted to do um and 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 that's why after I graduated I just stopped running completely I like I thought to myself at one point I will never run again and I looked at running as just this negative experience that I never wanted to do um because it just brought so much pain to my life and like I pushed my parents away I pushed my best friends away um and it was it was bad it was ugly and it wasn't until I wanted to try to like get back in shape for my wedding. Um, cause when I was trying on wedding dresses, I just realized like, you know, I had gained weight. I, you know, I went off, I, you know, I, I guess you could say I finally gained that freshman 15 by after I stopped running, I just started partying way too much and I wanted to get, just get back in shape. And so I was like, the only thing I know how to get back in shape is running. And, and that's kind of where, um, my love for running again started to happen. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was a lot. <laughs> that's that's that might be the all-time record. Um you're and you're staring across at a screen for a guy who's known for talking. So um we have so much to go back over. 
um, from everything that you just uh, threw out there. But we're gonna we're gonna get into each and every bit of it. Um, and and some of this stuff. So first off, thank you so much for sharing. You know the issues with your eating disorder and all that because I feel like these are things that are just really hard to talk about. And there's so many people out there, you know, men and women who struggle with this. Um, and athletes are so much more prone to it. And it's not just runners. I mean, gymnasts, swimmers, um, you can name a sport where people feel like their weight needs to be a certain level or their coach feels like that, as everybody knows what happened with Mary Kane became such big um, public news. So we're, we're going to do a deep dive into that. But I want to go back to some of the earliest, earliest stuff that you started with just, you know, having your mom, um, running five Ks, you know, just the, that weekend experience with your mom and dad volunteering for races and you getting a chance to be around runners, you know, just this show is all about running. It's talking all about running and experiences and how we form them. So that was a positive experience. You know, you had a chance to be out there as a little kid, you know, seeing your mom run, you know, those local five Ks, and then also awesome job by your mom and dad volunteering, being part of, um, race experiences and getting out there and doing that. That's a wonderful experience to model for your children. You know, volunteering is always a good thing. So those were, those were good formative experiences. And, you know, you tried softball and, you know, your coach is like, uh, yeah, you're not that great, but you're a good runner. So, you know, it's funny, you know, I don't know that coaches could really get away with that today. I know when I grew up, man, coaches could just be like, you suck and just say anything <laughs> they want to you. And no one cared. Like if you went home and said something to your parents, they'd be like, so what? Suck it up. Like nowadays it'd be like somebody would be like suing the town district or the coach would be fired and cut loose. So, um, we have to thank your softball coach for, you know, getting you involved and, um, you know, your DMR experience, you know, going and winning Penn Relays. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, that's just nuts. I mean, um, I was a, a high school and college baseball player, division one college baseball player. Didn't run till my mid thirties, you know, got involved. I was actually a triathlete first, then got really hardcore into running. So that experience for you, I mean, that's like, that's like going to the World Series, man. That's like as big as it gets. I mean, and then winning a DMR is just what an experience of a lifetime. So I just want to know, I know you talked about being in the paddock and the waiting area and all that, but like it does take years, like looking back. I mean, do you see pictures from that? Do you have pictures from that race? I mean, do you see them? Do you talk with the other runners on your, you know, in your relay squad like today? Do you guys ever talk about what a big moment that was? Because that's something to definitely, you know, to cherish. Yes. Yeah, so um, I do have pictures, tons of pictures from that day. Um, and like every year around Penn Relays, um, the we always post up on Instagram about, hey, like, you know, being what pen relays is like, um, remember this experience and we have all the photos and we tag each other. And, um, I still, uh, keep in touch with Christina Nelson. Um, she lives just a couple towns away from me. Um, and then the Trotter twins, um, we, yeah, we actually just started reconnecting uh, recently on Instagram and Katie and I keep meaning to uh, meet up for a run. So hopefully we can get that, you know, going one day. That's great. Um, that's yeah. great. And you should, and that's stuff that you can hold on to for a lifetime. And it's such an amazing, amazing experience. I mean, that can never be taken away. You have that, you have that forever and, you know, pushing forward, you know, beyond, you know, pen relays and the DMR, I think, you know, that experience you had where you were injured and you had to do the pool running and all that other stuff, um, you were away from the team, you couldn't train. So it's psychological, it's mental, you know, all that other stuff that's going on. And then you, you get out there, you know, the race and, you know, you actually win. So unfortunately, you know, our brains are really 
can be really hard to, you know, they're an enigma. I mean, we, we can't solve the brain chemistry and why we think the things we do, but your memory, your recollection of that day is you threw up, but you won the race. So somehow those two things get connected. And like anybody who struggled with that type of disorder and anybody who struggles with any, just, you know, alcoholism, drug dependency, anything, once we go down a road and we start to follow it, it just becomes really, really difficult to break it. And your experience was cemented with, you know, running your best race, winning a race on the track leads to you getting recruited, leads to you going to college. So it's, it's deeper than just, you know, Hey, I won, I should feel good. It's, you feel like you won because that was part of it. And so that leads you into this, you know, difficult time, really difficult time. And what I wondered is, you know, and I think you talked about it already, but were any of your friends, did they, did they pick up on it? Did they really notice it or did a coach notice it or? Um, it wasn't until I got to college where my, uh, freshman year roommate and another girl on the team had actually brought it up to my coach and he pulled me aside and asked me if I was, you know, bulimic or, you know, drumming up. And I was just like, no, I just was like, no, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, and he was like, okay, that's it. Um, yeah. And, and, and I'm not, you know, uh, he also kind of just said in along the same lines of kind of not, I don't want to say he like encouraged it, but he was just like, you know, you have to stay skinny. Like he, he was also a bad influence on it too. Like he didn't really like say you need to stop. Like he, he kind of just made it seem more like everyone else is doing it. You, you're fine. Like, you know, like, and then I always got that feeling that he just was like, all right, you know, you're, you're one of the better runners, like do, do what you're doing. Like you're not doing anything wrong. And I just always, you know, so I just kind of stayed in my head that, okay, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And sadly, you know, either there's two ways that any coach or a parent or a friend, there really are no gray areas in that situation. It either needs to be, you know, Beth, and that's the hardest thing in the world. I mean, it is not easy to go and talk to a friend or a loved one and say, Hey, Beth, you got to cut the shit out. Like you're going to really, this is a, this is a real issue, man. This is not healthy. And it's really hard because I've been around some people where, you know, they're the whispers. Like we wonder, you know, like, cause they've had a stress too many, maybe one too many stress fractures. And I talked to you a little bit before we came online about Amelia Boone and um, how courageous with all the sponsorship she has, you know, being a world-class obstacle course racer and a multiple time world champion and, and, and also an ultra marathon or endurance athlete. It takes a lot to come out there and share a story like that when you're risking losing all your sponsorship and you're put you're risking putting it out there. You know, this unhealthy relationship with food and feeling like, you know, you're measuring your body, you're looking at your body in a way that's, you know, just simply you're not comfortable. And trying to get comfortable is one of the hardest things that we grapple with in life. Um and, you know, it all starts at the end of the day. That's why I'm such a fan of Goggins, man, David Goggins. It's like, you know, to be your best in life, it's it's about facing off with the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror. And it's not about all the other girls in your age group or the guys in my age group or anything else. If you get the best out of yourself and you know you're doing the right things, you're challenging yourself. It's not about you know beating the other people in Shore AC or Central Park Track Club or competitive clubs that you run against down the shore. It's about getting the best out of yourself for Beth so you can be you know, the best version of yourself, the healthiest version of yourself. 
And, you know, I can see you in the Zoom screen and you look incredibly healthy. God bless. So obviously this incredibly rough time for you and and, um, difficult time for you that you had in your college years, which left a negative impression on you as your running experience, because you had said basically, you know, you were done. You weren't going to run anymore. And now, you know, God bless. You got it all figured out. You're healthy. You got two kids you know, you're running, you look great, you're healthy, you're feeling great. So there's so much, you know, more, you know, to tell, you know, so much more of the story to tell. So was there like a seminal moment for you, like one specific moment, one incident where you just said, wow, I can't do this anymore. Or I realize that I'm doing this and it's like doing harm. Like, was there something specific maybe that triggered a change? Um, I think, yeah, it was, um, after my sophomore year, when I got Lyme disease, and I had a red shirt my whole, all my seasons. I was really disappointed about not making it to, um, not being able to run that cross country season because I just felt like I was in the best shape of my life and I got robbed, you know, I couldn't run that season. Um, and so I fought with, um, the NCAA to get my red shirt season back. Um, cause I, after I graduated, I went back to get my MBA um, and so I was going to run, um, you know, I, they actually gave it back and I was able to do it. Um, and I remember being, you know, the oldest person on the team and seeing all these younger kids come in and I was like the mentor and everything. And I felt very like, all right, this is cool. Like I got all these, you know, like I could share my experiences and all this stuff like that. And our first race, um, of the season, it was at Princeton and I overslept and literally all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And I look at my phone and, and like, I'm literally getting, I had like five missed calls from like people on the team saying, Beth, where are you? Like they're doing head counts on the bus right now. We're pulling out, like we're leaving. And I was like, oh my God. And I remember that's my roommate. I like knock on her door. I'm like, you have to drive me. So she jumps in her car, like we jump in her car, we just chase the bus. We get there. And like, my coach just looks at me. He's like, what is going on with you? Like, what is up? And like, I just realized at that moment, like running has taken a back seat. Like I would have never, ever in my life, like slept through an alarm to get on a bus to go to a meet. Like all of a sudden I realized like, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm kind of burned out. And I ran that race. Um, I think I was like 10th on my team. It was just like, whatever. And I just stopped after that. I, I walked into my, my coach's office and said, I, I got to stop. And I was still making myself throw up and it was still just, this is it. And I mean, at that point too, like the amount of, um, dental work I've had to get done because of it. Like, it was just like, at this point, like it all kind of started adding up. Like you are doing so much harm to yourself. You're not getting your period. You're messing up your teeth. You're miserable all the time. Um, even my like mental state was horrible. Like I wasn't doing great in like my classes. I was like, you need to stop. You have to stop. And, um, yeah. And that day I walked in and just said, I'm done. And he was like, okay. And, um, it's weird. I still have like, flashbacks of that day and like I remember crying my eyes out and feeling like I was like breaking up with like someone and I was like that that feeling of like loss like I was like grieving this this thing this life that I've like done and created for the last like six or seven years and like I just um threw myself into like a thousand percent and all of a sudden I was like you don't have to run anymore. And it was just like this freedom and like it was one of the craziest I remember craziest days. Um and though, and then I stopped and then I didn't run again for, yeah, probably about five or six years. Um, so yeah, there was a turning point where I realized I, I, I need to, something needs to change or I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose it. Well, that's, that's so powerful because, 
you know, you had friends who did recognize it and you said you lost some friends, you know, during that period. And, um, you know, it's great that you're so open and honest about it because it's hard. Um, it's really, really hard, um, for similarly with other addictions, you know, um, family members, um, outside of my own family, but close friendships that I've had with people, you know, when you confront them or talk to them about drugs, alcohol, or other similar kinds of things, you know, denial is a big thing or no, I'm not doing that. Or I, I wouldn't do that. And, you know, you know that they're still doing it, but at the end of the day, the person, the person in the mirror has to figure out, I can't do this anymore somehow, whether it's through some sort of rehab an intervention of a friend, a coach or family members or, or all of those other things. But thankfully for you, you just, you just realized at that moment, like you had to make a change. So it, interestingly, you know, running was coupled with that together. So at this point, you have no visibility and viewpoint to say, you know, running can be healthy. Running can be a good thing, which it was when I was a kid and I ran on the beach and I was a badass in the junior lifeguard tournament. So, you know, which was, you know, you could just, I could just smile thinking of you like whipping down the beach and, you know, running <laughs> in the sand. But that's the way we are when we're kids, you know, and we go as fast as we can and we run out of breath and it's like, oops, um, I better, I better try this a different way. And then we run right. like a half a second slower the next time and we still, we still run out of gas. And, you know, maybe like after 50 times we finally figure out, okay, I can't go as hard as I want if I'm going to run more than like two blocks, you know, I got to run just a tiny little bit slower. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you came to some hugely powerful realizations and and sadly, you know, not picking on, you know, the coach that you had, because that, I just think that that was a, just such a prevalent uh, mood that existed within coaches across all sports, um, men's coaches, women's coaches, elite programs, non-elite programs. It doesn't have to be division one. These could be smaller schools. If you're a coach, they want their team to win. They want their athlete to, to win. And um, a lot of times that involves this kind of thinking or, or even shortcuts, you know, you know, recommended people cheat or, you know, use steroids or other stuff. So God bless that you were able to break that. Um, and then, you know, it takes years, um, you know, you're getting ready to get married and, you know, you said you wanted to lose a few pounds and you decide like, Hey, I can go back to running because running's the only thing I really know where I might be able to lose a few pounds. Now, were you worried at all at that point that you might, you know, kind of almost slip back the way somebody who's had a drinking problem? Like if I start running again, I'll start doing those things. Or did that thought like never really cross your mind? Um, it did cross my mind, but I think there are two factors that kind of helped. One, um, my husband, he is not a runner. Um, you know, I think when I met him, he was like, running is the worst thing in the world. Why would anyone do that? And I was just like, you're right. Why would anybody <laughs> run? Like, it's crazy. Like who runs? And and so he knew about my past. Like I, um, you know, broke down to him and I told him everything. And like, he knew about my eating disorder and he was someone that like, he didn't judge me for it. He honestly, like, he was like, I, I don't understand what you went through, but I'm here for you. And he was just such a strong, like support system for me when I also like felt like I had to go back to that. Um, and so I always knew that if I did start running again, um, he was going to be in my corner and he was going to be like my grounding, you know, person to say like, this isn't your full-time job. This, you're not a professional athlete. You just run for fun. So I always knew like he was just like always on my, at my, in my corner. Um, and that really helped mentally going back into it. Um, and then I remember when I did start running again, um, I used the couch to 5k program, um, to get back into it. Um, and I wrote down in my journal and I said, two things I need to do. One, 
if I'm going to be a runner again, I will never, ever, ever make myself throw up again. I don't care. Like just, it's never going to happen again. And, um, you know, six years later, I've still maintained that because in my mind, I said, if I'm getting to that point again with running where I'm obsessing and I'm getting crazy, it's not worth it. It's, I have to just shut it down and get back to my healthy spot. And and I can't do that. Um, and then the other part was, was just, yeah, remaining, um, positive about it and just from, and keeping everything in perspective, you know, um, and before any races now, I always think of myself as like my standing on that start line. And then I take like a bigger picture on the outside and say, okay, here you are with all the surrounding area and then go bigger and then go bigger and then go bigger. And all of a sudden you're looking at the world people a mile away. Don't know what race is going on. They don't care about what you do, about what your pace is, about what time you run. Even the person standing 30 feet behind you, they don't care what you're about to do. They are caring about what they're doing. And then I, I had to keep that perspective, that mentality moving forward that like, it's gotta be positive. It's gotta be just um, for me. And um, yeah. And, and since it's always, since it's become just about my own personal journey, like I just, I've been so much happier this time around. Like running is like fun again. And I've never thought I would say those words. Running is fun. <laughs> that's, that is, that's really powerful. A couple of really powerful pieces in there. First off um, to share, you know, such a difficult journey, you know, with your husband, you know, that was a huge choice. There's a lot of people, we all have skeletons in our closets. Some of us have uh, uh, multiple closets. We don't have one. We've got lots of them. We've lived lives and had things happen to us that we just are not comfortable sharing. So you took a risk, you know, when you shared that whole, you know, segment of your life with him and your experience with him, you know, he could have been like, ah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on board with any of this. And he goes the opposite way. He's like, I don't understand it. You know, I don't really get it. I don't really like running, but I got you and I'm in your corner. And I mean, just that is just empowering because, you know, you opened up and you shared it with him and that's, that's why you guys have a life together. So God bless. Good job. Good job by him. And, and then super, super powerful stuff. Um, you know, actualization, writing things down, committing to it. I mean, I've always, my refrigerator board, you should see it. You should see my bathroom walls. I mean, you should see that. I mean, I have like whiteboards and chalkboards and eraser boards that I just write stuff down and I, I commit to it. I always have. I've been doing that for 59 years. Well, not for 59 years, but I'm 59, you know, years old, but on the sports or in the business world or in my life, you know, if it's something family or um, charitable or whatever it is, when I, when I make a goal or something, I'm going to write it down. And whether you write it down on a chalkboard or on your refrigerator or on a post-it note or in a tracksmith running journal, once you take that pen to paper or marker to paper and you actually go through the process of writing something down, it's very different than just saying you want to make a change. And, you know, those, those things that you said, I will never make myself throw up again, period. Like you just, you took ownership of that and you realized, you know, Hey, I've got to make this like pledge or commitment to myself. And then more importantly that, you know, running was going to be fun. You're right. Trust me, I say it all the time. Nobody gives a shit about our races. I'm sorry, I'm gonna say it that way because they don't. And even our my mom, my brothers, yeah, they love me to the moon and back 60 times over. But if I'm happy, they're happy. You know, if I'm not happy, they want me to be happy, right? Like they're they're not gonna care if I run three hours in one second or if I run 254 or anything in between. They just want me to be happy and they know that the sport makes me happy and my love of the sport and the passion I have for it and sharing it with others is what makes me happy. Having this show, being able to talk to a badass runner like yourself 
who's been through just an amazing experience, but come out the other side for the better, healthier. You have a family now. Your relationship with food has changed. Um, it's it's just super, super powerful stuff. And you know, literally when I reached out to you, obviously the only thing I knew was that you came in first in the Boston Virtual Marathon. And sure, that would be interesting if that was the only thing we talked about. But to me, um, there's some runner out there who's going to listen to the show who's had an experience like this with food or is having one at this very moment and they're going to hear your words and they're going to hear you talk about it. And I hope it leads them to make a positive change. I hope the way Amelia Boone talk, talking about it led many other people to come out and talk about their experiences because it's, it's really powerful um, to share you know, that kind of experience. Well, thank you. Thank you, yeah. And I hope so too. I hope that, you know, um, you know, if there is someone that's like listening, like, you know, they understand that it, it can get better and it does get better. You just, you do just have to put everything into perspective. And then that's what I always have to remind myself, just keep things in perspective. Um, and I didn't understand why, why my parents would tell me that back in high school or college. And I just thought they were just trying to like shut me down. But the reality was they were trying to say like, this isn't the end all, you know, like your life is so much more than just running. And um, yeah. And nobody gives a shit what your times are. <laughs> um, so yeah, just enjoy it. So yeah. It's, it really, it's true. And it's funny for me to say it on a show where I talk running 24 seven. Um, but we're to run those times. It's really about you just trying to push yourself to the next level, me trying to push myself to the next level. But it's always about what I say. It's about being the best damn version of yourself. Okay. That's what it is. I mean, if I take running out of my life, I had a bike crash recently and couldn't run or ride for, you know, luckily for me, it wasn't nearly as long as what the doctors initially said. And, you know, whatever they told me, I knew I was going to cut that in half or a third or whatever anyway, because, you yeah. know, I got the renegade crazy ass personality. But um, if you're without running, you, you find out quickly, like in your case, it was different because you had a bad experience. So you had to completely reframe it. But for people who love running and just have a random thing happen like me, like a crash on a bike and a concussion, or, you know, maybe they just get a regular old injury or they get sick or God forbid they get cancer. When that's taken away from us, our lives change, man. And they don't change for the better because it helps you be a better mom to your, to your two boys. It helps me be a better brother, a better dad, a better you know colleague to my clients and and the people that work on my team. Um, it just makes us you know more well rounded and and more content. So um, and now you know hearing you talk about your relationship with running now, it's wonderful because you know you got two young boys who I'm sure are wild and crazy and <laughs> running around like madmen. So mom better be able to you know keep the pace. Very important because mom set the tempo always. I know my mom did with us three maniac boys. We would pitch a hard, a real hardball, like real baseball, because we talked Yankees before. We're not talking about wiffle balls in the house. We're talking about hardball in the living room. The pillow was the strike zone. And we're literally throwing at almost the same speed at, you know, eight years old that we were in our little league games. And, you know, I don't know how my mom is still with us at 88 with the stuff that we did to her. I have no idea, but she is a blessing. And, you know, she taught us everything, you know? And, um, so that's, that's, uh, you know, your, you know, your legacy, you know, your boys, you know, there you are, you know, running around the street, um, and let, well, let's get it because obviously I know, you know, the story of your race, um, but nobody at home does unless they're already following um, you. So for the Run Chats audience, talk a little bit about, you know, your race experience for Boston, 
um, how you put it together, your course. And I mean, you can even go all the way back because I know you had said initially you weren't interested um, in running it. And then they sent out the thing that, you know, that they were going to send the packet out to the first 15,000 or whatever. And, and like so many of us, cause we're all the same. We're all like, Oh, wait a minute. If I get a medal and there's some other stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. Maybe I will do this thing. So, you know, take us, take us into there and, uh, and, and, uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, so yeah, so, um, I had my son last November, um, and, you know, with any pregnancy, you gain weight. And so um, I had gained like 50 pounds with them. And um, I knew um, before, like when I first got pregnant, I was like, I need to sign up for a marathon so I can get myself back into shape after he's born. So uh, Boston was always something I wanted to run. So I signed up, got in and was like, okay, perfect. He'll be you know born in November. I'll run it in April. Um, and so I was post, you know, after your give birth, you're not supposed to start running for like six to eight weeks. I, you know, stupidly started running like three weeks out. Cause I was just like, I need to go. I need to go. I need to go. And April's, you know, right around the corner. So I started training, um, you know, beginning of December. Um, and then I was feeling good. I mean, I was, you know, putting in the long runs, I was putting in the, the, the distances and I felt strong. I felt like I was like, okay, I, I can do this. Um, you know, right before COVID happened, I ran a half marathon, um, in like 127. So I was like, okay, like I'm actually in decent shape. I can, I think I can actually go. And, and my only goal for Boston was to try to break three hours again. Um, and that was like, just like, let's just do that. Um, and then we were on vacation in Florida where, you know, we got the, got, you know, we heard that the Boston marathon was getting postponed. So I was definitely disappointed, but then also a little relieved because like, uh, I was like, okay, I have more time now though, to train for it. However, I was also accepted into the Berlin marathon. So I was supposed to be running Berlin as well. And now I'm thinking, well, crap, I have Boston September 14th and Berlin's going to be September 27th. I know the day because I was in, I ran all six majors last year. So I know all the, and I was signed up for all six this year. So yeah, I would have, I would have seen you at, at Boston and Berlin and anywhere else too. Yeah. So I know exact, I know the exact dilemma you were in hundred percent. So I was like, crap. So I was going to make Berlin my A race. And now I'm like, well, I guess I have to make Boston my A race. But I, you know, everything you hear about Boston, it's not a PR course, you know? So I was just like, and also too, the weather could be crazy. So it was definitely like this mind game. I was playing with myself, like, what do I want to do? So I just said, okay, let's start training for Boston again. And then all of a sudden they said, okay, it's going virtual. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. You know, it's a virtual marathon. Um, I'm out. (laughs) No, I'm not doing that. Um, And then, yeah, you know, so I just kind of just backed off on my training. I was like, I don't want to run through um, marathon training anyway throughout the summer. Um, So I just kind of like, you know, took it easy for a couple of weeks. And then they were like, but we're giving out free stuff to the first (laughs) 15,000 runners. And I was like, well, I want that. (laughs) So I I said, all right, I'll sign up. Wait, a Boston medal? Okay. You yeah, got me. Exactly. The I'm rest like, of the stuff. It. I don't care about the rest of the stuff in the box. It's a Boston right. medal. Okay, I'll do it. I'll right. do it. Yeah. Um, and then then you know, and also too, like all the people I follow on Instagram, a lot of the runners I follow were like, I just signed up for Boston. I just did this. And I was like, I don't want to be left behind. And so <laughs> I did it. I signed up. So I just, you know, I, I trained throughout the summer. And um, you know, my my I'll be perfectly honest, my training wasn't great. Um, I hate running in the heat. I'm not good in humidity. Um you know, I had a lot more failed workouts than, you know, good ones. And, but I just was like, whatever, you know, this is a virtual race. Um, I'll just have fun. Uh, my course, um, was something I knew I kind of want to do from the very get go. It's a one mile loop outside my house. 
Um, and that's just mainly because one, I knew I needed water. I knew I needed to fuel. Um, and cause my biggest, the uh, going on the long runs during the summer, like not having, um, water and everything like that just became just a drag. And I like kind of dreaded my long runs cause it was just always so hot and humid. Um, and just a kind of side note, um, uh, because of the whole COVID situation, normally along the boardwalks, um, in the Jersey shore, like there are water stations every so often, but because I guess of COVID, they shut them all off. Shut them all off. So yeah, so there was no no ever like I could never just stop to get water. So that was really kind of like this whole summer was just very like always kept that in the back of my mind. Like if I'm running 11 miles out, like I'm not gonna have any water unless I carry it, and I didn't feel like doing that often. Um, so yeah, so I knew for my Boston Marathon, I wanted to do it where I could have an aid station um, because during any marathon I've run, I've always like memorize the course map beforehand and know exactly where my aid stations are going to be so I can like mentally plan in my head okay where I'm getting water where I'm going to get air and everything like that so um yeah so my one mile loop um outside my house is what I did um and the the week leading up to the race I um that's that app next door where you can like um talk to all your neighbors and everything like that I just posted, I was like, Hey, listen, like, uh, if you see me running, um, 26 times around this loop, you know, Monday, <laughs> the fourth, uh, what was it? The seventh, like, I'm not crazy. I mean, I'm a little crazy, but I'm just doing, you know, a race. So come out and cheer for me. And surprisingly, like, I had a lot of like, um, neighbors that came out and so many people that like, commented, they were like, Oh, you're the mom that I always see pushing with your kids in the stroller. I always see you running, like, you know, go. So it was really cool. Like I never thought like people noticed me running, but I guess, you know, some people did. Um, so that was nice. And then um, I'm very like type A personality and I knew I needed like everything being like situated like perfectly. So, um, you know, I set up my water station outside my ta- like outside my house the morning of. Um, I had my Gatorade. I had my like noon nun hydration. I never know how to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had water and all my goose. Um and yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I, I, I kind of just like said, I'm, if I'm going to race it, I'm going to treat it like a race. I'm going to have all the normal stuff to, you know, get my mind in that race mentality. Um, and my roommate from college, um, she had texted me like the week before and she said, hey, listen, my husband and uh, her husband, Matt, uh, we all ran uh, at LaSalle together. Um, she was like, he said he'll run, you know, 12 miles with you. You know, do you want to? You know, is that cool? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I would love it. If somebody wants, yeah, if he wants to run with me, that's great. Um, and so I started my race at like 630 in the morning. Uh, it was perfect weather. It was cool. It was like the first cool morning. Like I actually saw my breath when I was like getting out there. Um, there zero wind, low humidity. Um, and I just was like, I think I like, I remember standing in like the middle of the street. It was still dark out. Just like looking around and just thinking to myself, like I'm about to run a marathon pretty much alone and nobody cares. Like it's not a real marathon, but like, it's just, I'm about to run a marathon. Sweet. Like, let's like, what are we doing? Like, what am I doing? And I just was like, all right, well, whatever, you know, like just go, just start your watch and go. And, um, yeah, I did my first eight laps, um, by myself. It was just a nice little like warm up, getting into it. And, um, by the time I was ready to start my eighth lap, Matt was right there and he was like, let's go. And, we ended up just like just doing it together and just like chatting and just like, you know, reminiscing about college and just talking about, you know, runners and stuff like that. And all of a sudden it was like, he was like, okay, I'm, I'm dropping off in like, you know, two laps. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're like 
this is I'm more than halfway through and like everything like that. And he was like, listen, he's like, you're, you're doing a great job. Like you're really on pace to like do some, something crazy. Like he's like, just keep it up, keep it up. And by that time, um, you know, my whole family was outside. My parents were there. My in-laws were there. I had friends from high school uh, show up. I had friends who, you know, that we just, you know, have been hanging out with show up. I mean, we had probably like 20 people there, um, you know, just cheering me on. So like every lap that came by, like people would be handing me waters, you know, handing me my goose, you know, we had signs and it was like, okay, I am racing. Like, I don't care now I, it's a race. Like this, let's, 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 let's do this. And, um, and I think it was like when I came to the half and I think I came to the half in like one twenty three, and I was like, I felt really strong. I was just like, okay, I did PR too. Like another thing I didn't think was possible in this race. So, um, yeah, I, uh, all of a sudden we're at the 20 mile mark and, um, Matt dropped off and my husband jumped on his bike and started doing the loops with me. And, you know, he was just explaining to me about the morning with the kids and like how they're just like unsure of what the hell is going on. Like, you know, they're like, why is mommy <laughs> running? Why are people here? <laughs> like what is going on? Um, and so those miles all of a sudden just ticked by. And then before I knew it, I'm screaming to everyone, this is it. This is my last lap. Like I'll see you guys get that finish line ready. <laughs> and I turned into the last corner. I looked down and I'm like hitting 26 miles. And I'm like, what? Two, like two forty five. like this, this can't be. And I just said, go give it everything you have. And then I stopped my watch. I looked down and I was like, wow, two forty five fifty four. Like, you know, that it just, it, it still blows my mind. Like, cause I didn't think I was in that good of shape and, and I'll be honest. I mean, was my GPS completely like, you know, accurate? Probably not. Like, you know, like, I don't know, you know? Um, so will I give myself a 245? Maybe I ran a 247 to, you know, something like that. Like in reality, if it was a real race, so to speak, but I'm okay with that. Cause you know, like the effort was there and I did it. And I, I don't know. I just think the whole, I'm so glad I actually did sign up because it was just an amazing experience. And to be able to also show that to like my, my boys, just like having them there was really, really fun. So that was, yeah. that was so um, like a chills moment, you know, definitely like goosebump moment. So that was a great description of your day and the experience. And um, my son has a similar app. He uh, graduated college and was up in Vermont. I think it's literally the same thing, but he said, you know, you can just write on there, Hey, I'm, we're getting rid of uh, some furniture, come out in our front lawn and get it. So you and I was like, I'm running, I'm running a marathon on Monday, you know, come on by if you want, or, you know, I'm going to have an aid station table out over here. I mean, it's just amazing, you know, like, Hey, this is actually going on. Um, yep. <laughs> And, you know, Megan had talked from her experience in Hilton Head, you know, she did a two loop course. She talked about her second loop, you know, people that were outside doing walks or at restaurants, they, cause she had a bib on, they were like, started cheering for her. Like it was a real race. And I just think it's so cool. Like there's similarities in both of your race experience stories because her mom, her mom and dad rode a bike with her around the course and her boyfriend and a sibling and, um, the same thing, like having people out there and then having some crowd, like, you know, like random crowd, like in yeah. her case, she doesn't live in Hilton Head, but in your case, that's your house. I mean, that's your home, you know, where you run around and you come up with a mile loop and run it 26 times, which, you know, could make you dizzy as hell. 
But in in other regards, you controlled like so much of your environment, like those A tables were there. And you said said you're anal and type A, like we figured that out a long time ago. So no worries there. But yes, I mean, honestly, I think it's one of the the biggest things. Um, I did uh, 10 marathons in 10 weeks for charity and raised a lot of money to feed healthcare workers. And I have to tell you, Beth, the biggest thing was in my head, I just kept telling myself, these people need me to do this. I know they didn't. I know they didn't, but they're working so hard at COVID. They're so exhausted. You have got a, a sibling who's a nurse, right? A sister who's yep. a nurse. And they work so damn hard. They're so exhausted. They're so tired. Even regular, that life regular, because I work in healthcare. So I know how exhausting their jobs are every day anyway, being a doctor, being a nurse, being an x-ray technician, operating equipment, whatever area of healthcare you work in. It's, it's just a demanding and exhausting job. You throw COVID in, where the outcomes suck and a lot of the patients are dying right in front of you, it's even that much more. But I could tell you, it, it sounds crazy to think you would do 10 in 10 weeks. It, it, it was crazy and it was hard. But the hardest thing that I grappled with is exactly what you said. I didn't want to carry a vest. I didn't want to carry a hydration pack. I didn't want any extra weight. I was already tired just mentally in my head thinking, I got to do another one of these. So for you, having that table there was like gold, man. You had your goose, you know, you had none, you had regular water. And then more importantly, they got to see you every time you came back around. So, you know, there's that little bit of an uplift and, you know, your first eight miles, you tackle on your own. You got Matt from eight to 20, and then you got your hubs, you know, for the last 10 K. And I think it's great because, you know, the first eight, I don't know that I'd want anybody talking to me then anyway. It's like, you know, let me just get into a rhythm and run. So you got out there and you knocked off, you know, not a third of it, but, you know, 25 plus percent of the race. And then you had an old college, you know, connection join you. And that just, that's a game changer because, hey, the name of this show is Run Chats for a reason. The whole concept of this show was when we go on runs in Central Park and run the bridal path or run in Jersey along the coast, the water, you know, along the water here, looking at New York City skyline, like the things we talk about are just like, you don't talk about the running brings that stuff to the surface, man. It's like, you can talk about, you know, a job issue or a fight you had with your husband or things you're that are struggling with, with your kids at home or whatever. You can talk about that with your running partners or running partner and feel like, secure, safe, like it's okay. And they'll tell you stuff that they maybe aren't telling anybody else. And when the run's over, what happens on the run stays on the run, man. It's like Vegas. It's, it's all like the, it's all sank, you know, it's like the priest, uh, you know, lawyer confidentiality, man, you know, nothing can be revealed. Nothing can be released. It's all good. You know, don't worry, Beth, we're good. No one's going to know anything that happened. And, you know, so you had, you know, that, you know, 12 miles, you know, with a college friend to chit chat about that stuff. And then I love the fact where you said about your husband coming in, because then it's stuff about the kids and they probably, like you said, have no idea what the hell's mom doing running around lap after lap here. Like, you know, no idea. And then you got neighbors cheering. So honestly, that's about as cool, uh, a cool of a way to break a marathon up as I can think of. And people think a mile is a crazy amount. I actually think it's a good way to go because, you know, even if you're not the kind of person who wants to pay any attention to their pace or, you know, whether you're running by feel or not, it just, you know, there's a rhythm to it, you know, like that's, that's why the track has great rhythm. I mean, it's only 400 meters. I, I think a mile is a great 
it's a great distance. You know, if I, if I could pick something for myself, I'd maybe pick two miles or something like that. But you know, obviously I didn't get to do the virtual Boston. I was, I was a little bit bummed, but at the same time, maybe I just, maybe I needed the break after doing 10 in 10 weeks. And (laughs) so it was, you know, maybe it was better for me, but, um, you know, when you, you told me, you went through the half in 123. So you actually negative split, man. You ran faster in the second half. Maybe, maybe not much faster, but even if you just a little bit faster or negative split, I mean, that's really impressive, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think at that point when I realized I was more than on pace to set a PR, I was like, well, you feel good. Let's keep it going. Let's keep the momentum going. And, and by that time, like, everyone was there. And like, I knew just like every lap I was going to get cheered for, you know, and it was just like mentally going into it. I was like, okay, this is fun. Like I'm having a good time. What a, what, what an awesome, awesome experience. And uh, another similarity with you and Megan, you both run on the first day. So yeah, I mean, it's like, yep. Type A is over here. Yep. We're going Uh, out first day. We're, we're going to rock this thing. And how crazy is that? You're first, she's second. You're the first two runners in Boston virtual. And she had planned to run at six in the morning in Hilton Head, but it was like a monsoon, like pouring downpour rain. And, um, her dad was shocked because she said, you know, she's always that punctual, like gotta do it. And she's like, nah, let's wait. And I think they started, ended up starting around eight o'clock or when the, when the rain had lifted, it ended up being really hot, you know, really muggy. Um, but you know, like it's super cool. Number one and number two were the first, you guys ran in the first day. Who knows? You might be the first people to submit your time. And, uh, you know, that's, that's super cool. So I'm gonna have to get you two together for a run. That's, that's going to have to happen. So, yeah, and it was great because like after I ran the race, like I saw, you know, start following like the hashtag and then I saw her post, I saw her time and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like I, it just made me like, I, you know, I started following her and I was just like, cool. Like, you know, like I feel like I know you, but I don't know you. So (laughs) that's, that is so great. Now, do you ever come up to Central Park at all um, for runs or I know you're at the Jersey Shore, so probably not, right? I don't know. Okay. How about Spring Lake? Have you run Spring, Spring Lake? I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've done it, I think five times in a row. So yeah. love that race. It's the kickoff of summer. So it's such a great race, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, it's the first time my son ever beat me in a race. Was it spring Lake? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was a really, he was a captain of his, uh, cross country team in high school. He didn't run in college. He could have, but he's double major. So just busy with, you know, so much activities and stuff. So I'm waiting for him to get back into it for real. So we could go toe to toe again, but that was the first race he ever beat me. And I'll never forget it. Cause you know, in spring Lake, you can see, you know, you can see the course. If you're anywhere near somebody, you can see them pretty much every single step of the way. You know, it's not like there's any place where somebody's going to disappear. You know, you have a few turns here and there, but I remember when we turned onto that long straightaway, I'm like, oh, he's only, he's only got like eight to 10 seconds on me. I'm going to reel him in here. And he just dropped my ass coming up the home stretch. And yeah. I was so proud of him, man. I remember at first I was a little crushed. And then I was like, yeah, he kicked my ass. I love it. <laughs> yep. So someday, you know, Leo and Cody will be out there rocking it with you. They'll, I hope so. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. So that was, um, what a great experience for you. And more importantly, um, to be able to turn that whole situation around is just so incredibly positive. So I hope somebody hears parts of this podcast, parts of your experience, man. I'd love to see like Runner's World or somebody do a feature on you because it's so important. I mean, you know, running is running, but um, 
we all have to overcome certain things in our life. And um, those are big things, you know, and, and lots of people struggle with these kind of things. And, you know, when you take something and you, you know, take it out of the closet and bring it front and center and share, you know, what an experience like that was for you and for you to be so healthy now and running so well and, and just, you know, to have pushed that, you know, so far away is just, it's wonderful. So I hope, um, some people that have, are going through those experiences or maybe had them in the past or maybe put running away like you did because they associated with something negative um, the way that you did and unhealthy um, will hear, you know, your story and your words and be like, you know what, I'm going to be like Beth. I'm going to, I'm going to get the shit together. I'm going to figure it out. And, and maybe I'm going to run a 245. I don't know. Who knows? You know? Right. Well, I hope so. I hope, I hope that helps and someone, anyone, you know. Cause it's, it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth the, uh, the being in a dark place when you're supposed to be doing something fun that you should, you should be enjoying it. So at the end of the day, no question, man, running is, um, if we simplify everything in life and we just think back to when we were kids, right? It's not complicated. When you're a kid, you run because you like running, you know? And even when you're out of breath, like you, you figured out you didn't like swimming. I don't blame you. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i the worst swimmer in triath triathlon history, but I'm not going to give up on triathlon because of that. Because like in your head, you have big goals, right? Like, you know, you're, you're like literally within a minute, less than a minute of Olympic trials qualifying standard. And, you know, I think there's probably, there's a chance that that number is going to go down just because the Atlanta women's field was like absurdly packed and so cool. I actually got to go there because Tokyo, I was one day from boarding my plane, one day, because I was going to Tokyo way early to just see parts of the country again that I had seen when I was over there in my late twenties and I had run it the year prior, but I was only able to get over there like a day or two before and a day or two after. And it's such a long flight. I mean, you lose a whole day with international crossing the international dateline. So this time I was going to be there for, I don't know, like 11 or 12 days and really just like chill and go all over and travel. And I remember everybody was all like complaining and bitching and races canceling. I was just like, I don't, I just don't like to waste my energy that way. And I was like, okay, what am I going to do about this? There's got to be something I can do. And I'm like, wait a minute, the Olympic trials in Atlanta, I'll go to the trials. And I mean, best damn decision I ever made, because who knew at that point that, that was virtually going to be the last real race, right? Using the word virtual and race, that's the only races we have now, but it was a real, not only was it a real race, but to see, I mean, obviously the men are insane and run crazy times, but it's just such a focus on uh, the times that women are running and just you know, the training groups, you know, NASA lead and, you know, the Bowerman, uh, the Bowerman babes and these, these different groups that have just like come together, these like superpower groups that are training and working together and just crushing times. And even during virtual, uh, virtual races, you know, they've been doing crazy stuff on the track and running, running amazing times. And it's exciting, man, just to see, uh, where women's running is going and, and just how much faster, uh, women are, are continuing to get and it's inspired. It's inspiring, man. It really is. It really is. And watching people and like, and you know, watching, um, you know, Instagram, you know, people on an Instagram, like go from running like, you know, three hour marathons to all of a sudden, like running an Olympic qualifying time and like seeing these success stories and just like how like this, the community, the running community builds everyone up and just gives this opportunity for just, you know, just everyday runners to like, go to the Olympic trials is just so amazing. And it, it is, I remember watching it with my family and just being like in awe of just being like, and like thinking like, I hope one day, you know, one day I hope to get there. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, you know that you can, you have to believe that. I know you do. Um, and I just think, um, 
your attitude is is so great and you know you're you're doing so many of the right things and the positive things and for the people that may have missed that piece at home because um you know Beth was talking so much about the race and setting the course up and the family and all the other stuff there was one really important piece in there I hope nobody missed her workouts did not go great, okay? She had workouts that did not go great. And I try to tell people this all the time. I try to hammer this point home. My friends, you know, that are so intent on whatever that number is, they're trying to run a 230 as an elite man, or they're trying to run three hours as, you know, an awesome man or woman runner, whatever the hell time standard you're stuck on or trying to get to. Maybe it's four hours, maybe it's five hours. I don't care. It doesn't have to be... It, it only matters that that time matters to you, right? If that time matters to you, if that's five hours and that's everything to you, is that we think that the only way that we can get to this goal that we've built up and made so damn powerful to us that it's like holding you know sway with us in our lives, the only way we can get there is if we nail every workout and we hit our mileage every week and we never miss a day and we come into the race feeling great, but that's just not true. It's not true. And I can't tell you how many of my friends have had a breakthrough race and I've had breakthrough races where the cycle didn't go well. Now, I've also had great races where everything did trend and build up, but it's just so important if you take away all the other stuff from this episode that, you know what, don't sweat every single workout, every single run. It's not linear, you know, it's building over time, you know, it's just, it's, you're going to get there when you're going to get there. And part of it is the experience of that day you know, you, I think one thing the virtuals will teach us is when you control the environment and have the people out there that you love and that love you, you're going to run better. I mean, it's a fact of life. If my mom was out on a street corner and my brothers were out in the street corner and my close like running compadres, the people that I roll with who I admire the hell out of and look up to, if they were out there running loops with me, like Matt jumped in from, you know, eight to 20, like if that's my close friends that I really admire, I'm not, I'm going to slow down when I'm running the miles with them. I would feel like, no way, man. Like that's running with me from eight to 20, man. I, I got a ball out from eight to 20. Okay. You know, my hub. Husband's going to join me for the last 10K. That's not the time to, to fail. I got I to gotta keep it together here. So I think it's, an ex, it's something about that experience, you know, that we should think about moving forward. I mean, we can't plant our friends and family all over the course when we really run Boston or we run Berlin. But mentally, you know, maybe we could take some of those images with us, right? From that day that you had, you know, just think of their faces, you know, when you're running around that loop and you're passing by and they're giving you the cups and they're giving you a drink and a high five and they got some signs out there. That's, it's powerful stuff. For sure. So what's next other than obviously your, your, your big goal, I, I would just have to assume is, you know, trying to knock down an Olympic trials qualifier, but what's next? What are your plans? What are you thinking about moving forward? Um, so right now I am signed up for the trials of miles, uh, racing series. Yes. Um, so I just, uh, I moved forward through the 5k. So now tomorrow I'm planning on running the 8k. So, um, you know, We'll see if I advance. I don't know because uh, there are some speedy women in this uh, in these groups now. So I am, uh, I, you know, it's going to be tough. But uh, that's my short term, just getting through tomorrow's EK. Um, but I am right now just waiting on to hear if uh, CIM is going to happen. So um, I am in the seated field for that race in December. Um, and they keep, you know, postponing, giving us like all the details. I, I have a feeling that's going to get canceled. Um, you know, if, to be perfectly honest, I don't see it happening. 
Um, so if it does happen, I'll run that. If it doesn't, I think I'm going to start focusing more on just like um, improving my 5k time. Um, you know, just stop doing really crazy long runs and just focusing on speed work, leg turnover, just doing more, just like strength work and stuff like that. Um, especially for the winter months. So I'm not, you know, killing myself, uh, during the cold. That's a great plan. Um, and you know, like CIM, if I believe anybody could pull it off, I, they're, they're really forward thinkers about how they manage their races. They really do a great job. And I know they're trying to think of really unique ways that they could pull it off. Particularly if you're in the elite field, you know, they could probably stage it where, you know, the elite men and women go off and then just gap it. Um, you know, but their field sizes are usually pretty large. It's a fast course. I know you would love it. I've run it a couple of times. Um, and it's just, it's a wonderful experience. I think you would love it. Um, it's a cool place to go. It's got a good, a good vibe and they really, it's just a well-organized race. So I hope that works out, but the trials of miles, I know the women you're competing with. Um, I run, I run with a bunch of them, never on their fast days. Cause I, not, Lord knows I can't run that fast anymore. Like I used to. Um, uh, so now like on their easy days, you know, I'll run miles. So I know a lot of those women, you know, from the New York city area and yeah, they, they can absolutely ball out, but I know you must've, you must've run a really fast 5k to make it through because I saw, I mean, you, I'll, did you run like 18 or what did what did you run? 1802. I knew, so. I knew, I knew it had to be something like that because you know, like they were, they were talking about figuring it was going to be like 19 something where I'm like, no way. I know these women. There's that's not, no one's going to get out of the first round with a time. Like, that. I mean, that's think about that. That's crazy. I mean, a whole, a whole big group ran in central park. And, um, one of the guys on my team actually is a, is a, you know, a race photographer for fun. It's not his career or his job, but he's just really good at it. And he was out there shooting and he's done some shoots with Tracksmith and some other stuff. And if you saw their feed, all those pictures were taken by, um, a teammate of mine, um, Johnny, who was out there on the course and they were just, they were just crushing it. So it's not like they picked the flat course or ran in the track. I mean, they were running in central park and taking on the Hills, but yeah. So the AK, where are you going to run? Do you have a course? Are you going to run around your house again? Uh, just the boardwalk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the boardwalk. Just, yep. Just going to do it. And well, I'm going to see how the wind is tomorrow. It's been very yes. windy here the last couple of days. So yes. if it's super windy, I am probably just going to do my miles around my house. Yeah. That's not a bad plan. Well, hopefully yeah. you can get, you know, like in Boston, it's so ironic because in 2018, the monsoon year all week, and I mean all week, every single day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the race on Monday, all week they're saying tailwind 30 miles an hour, tailwind 30 miles an hour. Because the wind is one direction in Boston. You're running the entire direction. You make three turns in the entire 26 miles. So there's no crosswind. No, no, you run, you have a tailwind, you have a headwind, or you have a crosswind. There's, there's only three options for you all week. 35 mile an hour, you're going to have a tailwind. Yeah. Race morning, no. 35 mile an hour wind, headwind, you know. And it wasn't 35 the whole way, but trust me, the slowest it ever, the, the, the easiest that wind ever was, was 15 to 20 miles an hour. And then it would just like blow parts of your body off of you. You know, your gloves, your hat, everything you had, your, your gels are flying down the street. And we're all just out there going like, what the fuck is happening? You know, yeah. but so that's <laughs> why can we get, if we can get you a really windy day, you know, where it's just blowing in the one direction, you know, you could try to run downwind. That couldn't be the worst idea. Right. I mean, right, that's exactly. legal. I mean, that's totally yep. legal. I mean, yep. you know, you got people running all these downhill marathons and, you know, they're running like PRs and not telling anybody they ran 5,000 feet downhill. Like I'd be, right, right. I'd be like, um, this is not a real PR, but I'd be like, okay, this is my downhill PR. I would at least this put something out there. You know, you, you have to. Yep. Well, 
Beth, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Um, well, thank I, you. I know people are going to enjoy every bit of, of this uh, conversation and I think learn a lot from it. Is there anything we didn't get to, we didn't cover, you know, that's on your mind that you want to get to before we roll out? Um, I guess just, you know, um, you know, thank you. I just want to say thank you to Matt Mitchell for obviously running the 12 miles with me without him. I don't think I could have done as well as I, I did. So, um, you know, Matt, if you hear this, thank you so much. Um, and also to Nicole, his wife, um, you know, for, uh, putting it together, driving from Pennsylvania the morning of to, to come see me, um, you know, uh, it was great seeing you. Um, and also just to all my family and friends who came to support me and my neighbors who I've never met who came out to support me. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it was, um, just, it really just makes me happy to know that like, you know, you know, people came out to support me, uh, through this and then watch me go around 26 times. So thank you everyone. And, um, and thank you for reaching out to me. Um, you know, it's, it's, I didn't think I would, uh, you know, I, I, my husband knows the story, you know, and so being able to tell, tell the tale of my boss, my first Boston marathon, um, is pretty exciting. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I love the gratitude um, for everybody who helped you, you know, with your experience. It's it's so important, and we all need we all need to have more of that and and share that back with the people who help us. So you make sure you um, PM me, you know, Matt, if Matt's on Instagram and his wife and anybody who was a part of it for you, just make sure you send me their Instagram info so I can tag them in the post when I write the post. Um, and we got to get a couple of really good pictures from you, from your race day experience. And, um, we'll make them, make them part of the post. And, um, just, uh, it was an absolute treat, uh, talking to you and, and sharing your experience, man. Congrats. And I know I'm excited to keep following along and seeing how you do with trials of miles and we'll see what happens with CIM and 2021, you know, at some point we'll get back to, you know, more racing again. You know, there are some cross country races, just letting you know that your club, I think is putting on down in Homedale and some other ones. I think it'd be good for you to jump in that just for your strength, man. You know, I'll bet you would surprise yourself and do, and do really well. For sure. Uh, I'm missing the one this weekend at Homedale, but I know they're doing another one later in the season. So I, I plan on jumping in that one. Cause yeah, I haven't been there in a while. So I'd like to see what I can do there. Cool. Well, send me a message on what the date of that one is. I, I might have to come down so we can actually, you know, do the do a real live face-to-face uh, -face meeting. Oh, great. I will. Definitely. All right. So we always sign off the show. We always tell everybody to keep lacing them up, keep getting them out the door. We say peace out and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. What a powerful episode. Beth, thank you so much. I'm so proud of you for being so candid and open about your eating disorder struggles and sharing that journey with the Run Chats audience. It is super powerful stuff and incredibly inspiring to see how you've reframed your relationship with food and made running fun and have become so healthy. You looked so great on the Zoom screen and you look so vibrant and healthy and God bless, you've got a beautiful family who's supporting you and are part of this thing with you. And it's just really fun to see where you can take your running from here in this new state that you've uh, developed with your family. So I think everybody out there at home, let's join Beth's journey. Let's follow her and get excited about where her running is going to take her. And if we know anybody out there in the community that you think might be struggling with something like this, um, a lot of times there's whispers in the running community that you think somebody might be having issues like this. 
Um, these are tough times. Find a way, maybe sharing this episode with them and letting them hear Beth talk about how she made it through to the other side might be just the impetus someone needs to make a change. Um, I know Amelia Boone was really brave. We talked about her a little bit in the episode too, um, risking probably potential sponsorships, et cetera, um, being a top person in her sport. So it takes a lot to be brave like Beth was and to speak out and talk about struggles like that. And I'm just, again, super proud of her for doing that with my audience and sharing her struggle and to see her come through on the other side and to just be absolutely killing it and to be so healthy and looking so good. It's just such an important story to share. So thank you, Beth, so much. Thank you to everybody in the Run Chats audience who takes the time to share um, the episodes uh, with their friends, with their um running community and helping us get more people uh, subscribing to the Run Chat show, helping us find more interesting stories to share with you like Beth's that are super inspiring. So thank you all for being part of the journey. Beth, thank you so much. I have no doubt that your story is going to inspire a lot of people. And so I appreciate you very much coming on and sharing it with me. So as we always say at this point in the episode... Keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door. Always remember to stay in the fight. God bless. Mm -hmm.